Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammaker, and we have uh, an episode where it seems like you know we're into the month of January, and things, uh, and some leagues at least, are respectively starting to pick up. Uh, not in the MLB, as a lockout is still continuing. Um, but in the WNBA and the NWSL, um, we have some movement. Um, and especially in the WNBA, we will see uh, probably a lot of movement um, the day that this episode comes out on the 1st of February. So uh, with that being said, we'll jump into it with our Seattle Seahawks news. Um, just some team notes here. Nothing ex- extremely major. Uh, Quandre Diggs made some headlines earning all NFC honors. Diggs, the only Seahawk this season to be named to the Pro Football Writers of America all NFC team this season. And then Quandre stated that he would love to be back in Seattle, but at a price, Diggs states that he wants to be back in Seattle with the Seahawks, but that he has earned the proper compensation. Do I agree with that? Absolutely. It totally makes sense. Um, I mean, for a guy that has, you know, since Seattle, uh, traded for him back in, uh, I think, trade deadline of 2019 um, has been an instant, instant uh, contributor and and factor on this defensive side of the ball. Um, it makes total sense, right? So uh, I think I've talked about this on the show as well as uh, on CSS on Converge that it only makes sense to do so in terms of what that deal may look like. I would say three to four years, um, three to four years, pardon me, where's my brain going? Three to four years and I, uh, 13 to $15 million. Um, I think that's where it may end up, but um, that's just, I, I, again, I'm not the uh, contract or cap space guy to talk to when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, but that's kind of where I would, imagine things going and maybe hope how it would go um so we'll see how that works out but ideally you know keeping uh quandary digs in seattle and not really letting the uh the injury factor into it because i don't really think it does you know i know that it was it sucks to see that happen and there may be concerns about the the injury and it, it's it effects on Quandre, but I I don't really think it's uh something to worry about. Um, and we should. I I think it's a no brainer. I think it's a no brainer, uh, to bring Diggs back. And it's just something that, um, isn't a if it should be a when. Um, so obviously you know we're in the regular season. Well, regular season. We're in the postseason right now. Uh, Super Bowl is uh, now set. And we still have to to wait a little bit um, before that sort of thing happens. So uh, with that being said, uh, next in team notes is that Russell Wilson has been named. There, well, two Seahawks have been named to the Pro Bowl. The first one being Russell Wilson, replacing Tom Brady on the NFC roster, making it Russell's ninth appearance in 10 seasons. Brady steps out due to injury. Um, so for those of you who aren't really familiar with the Pro Bowl, uh, a guy like Brady, I don't think he's ever played in it. Maybe earlier on in his career. Uh, 
Yeah, and on a so even if you know the whole uh, retirement thing for Brady wasn't up in the mix, um, I don't really think this would have been a factor anyway. Um, in uh, Brady playing or not in the Pro Bowl, I just I don't think he plays in the Pro Bowl. I don't think that's something he was going to do regardless. Um, so. Uh, yeah, Russell Wilson will take his spot there. Uh, Dwayne Brown also makes the Pro Bowl for the fifth time in his career. Brown replacing 49ers left tackle Trent Williams, who is out with an injury. So two Seahawks uh, being added to the NFC rosters there. Good to see that. Um, and league-related news, we have a shit ton of league-related stuff. Um, on the 25th of January, Sean Payton, head coach of the Saints, announced that he was retiring, leaving the Saints. He's expected to pick a year off and potentially coach again after. Uh, the Bears hired Ryan Poles as their new general manager. He is a former Kansas City executive director of player personnel. Antonio Brown was mewling a defamation lawsuit, claiming that the Buccaneers offered him $200,000 in an injury settlement if he agreed to mental health treatment. Um, on the 26th, uh, Minnesota named Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as their new general manager. He was formerly Cleveland's vice president of football operations. On January 27th, the Broncos hired former Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett as their new head coach. Uh, obviously has that history with Aaron Rodgers leading to speculation about Rodgers heading to Denver. Um, but that's something that's still in the mix as well. Something that's being talked about. Um Something that's being talked about in and of its own, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, also on the 27th, the Bears hired Matt Eberfluss to be their new head coach. He is a former Colts defensive coordinator. Um, former NFL head coach Jeff Fisher will coach in the USFL reboot, uh, and the Ravens hired Mike McDonald as their new defensive coordinator, formerly, excuse me, the same role uh, that he held at the University of Michigan. Uh, in January 28th, the Dolphins named their finalists for their head coaching job. It was Brian Dable, Kellen Moore, and Mike McDaniel, the top three for their vacancy. Shortly after, the New York Giants would hire Dable as their head coach, so Giants taking that option away for Miami. Uh, there will be a historically black college and university combine taking place at the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl will de debut its first ever combine for student-athletes of HBCUs, uh, so that is really cool to see. I talked about it a little bit on to, uh, the CSS on Conferred show today, you know, to see the impact that, uh, you know, Deion Sanders has had in going to coach at Jackson State, flipping a really highly touted recruit uh, to Jackson State um, just seems really, it's, it's really cool to see the momentum uh, that, the there's been around HBCUs and just the the positive impacts and uh, things that are happening uh, with those universities. So it's really cool to see that, and I'm excited to see you know how that'll play out uh, with. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. How that'll play out, you know, see how that combine itself will go, and um, what players from that combine will have a major impact in the league going forward. Um, and also on the 28th, several NFL teams are expected to propose overtime format changes. If you don't know why that is talked about, just look, uh, at least in recent format, look towards the uh, Bills-Chiefs game in the divisional round. Um, 
I'll talk on that in a second. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Um, you know, there's one writer for, I believe it's uh, Yahoo Sports, who always basically says, oh, stop crying about the overtime rules. You know, you just play good defense. That's not the point. Okay. Sure, you could look at it at that viewpoint, but if we're looking at it in this capitalist idea or not necessarily capitalist, if we're looking at it um, with this idea of wanting to, for viewership, for excitement, why would you look in that Chiefs Bills game? Why would you not want to see Josh Allen get another chance to respond? Huh? I mean, come on. Just it, it's a fair thing, too, because uh, both it, it's, it's just you know, amongst football fans, it's universally a liked concept to have college football overtime rules or at least some aspect of those college football overtime rules or some iteration of them to be used at the NFL level. Um, this, this NFL level is outdated in terms of that rule uh, and it really should be changed. So, you know, it's this whole defending this rule is really weird. It's like, why would you defend it so vigorously? Like, do you really love it that much? I mean, I get it. It's cool. You score a touchdown and then you're done, but you know, giving the other team the opportunity to respond, you know, it's, it only makes sense not only for viewership, but also just for the, uh, popularity of the game itself you know josh allen an incredible year has been an incredible quarterback for the last few years since kind of starting off rough and that game was incredible and so adding you know a chance for allen and the bills to respond would only add to that game so you know that's my piece on it um on the 29th uh adam schefter initially released a report that Tom Brady was retiring, uh, citing several reported factors for retirement, including his family, his own health, and the Tampa Bay roster turnover. Uh, An hour later, reports would come out that Brady is far from a decision informing his general manager with the Buccaneers, Jason Licht, um, that that he has not made that decision and he's far from it. So that was kind of a whirlwind because I'm sitting there the morning of and I'm thinking, you know, uh, I'm thinking, oh, it's finally over, you know, uh, we're done, you know. No, an hour later, oh, yeah, just kidding. So, you know, it's it's something to think about. Um, not only the impact that Brady has had and just how in- it's incredible, Um It's incredible to see him still playing and, you know, more than likely has a few more years um, in this league. Um, and I personally don't think that Brady would go out uh, with a loss like that. I would imagine he, with the competitor that he is, he would want to uh, finish the season out as, uh, a t- as a, a, you know, want to go out on top. But, you know, this, it kind of makes me think, Um I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what to think about it. And, you know, not sure how we'll look at things, uh, you know, from a week from now or how long it will take um, for that decision to be made. So that's something to think about. Um, Cause that, that also impacts the way that we look at the NFC. Uh, you know, if you look at this this conference right now, you've got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. At the moment, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers 
uh, at the top, you know, in terms of quarterback play um, in this conference. Um, and, you know, to those, both of those guys could be gone. Um, but that's, that's not a surefire thing quite yet. Um, continuing with news on the 29th, the Vikings uh, inter- were to interview John Harbaugh for their hood coaching job. The Packers were reportedly optimistic about Rogers's return. Uh, the two parties had a meeting to discuss that return. Uh, Las Vegas filled its head coach and general manager roles. Uh, Dave Ziegler will be the team's new general manager, the Patriots director of player personnel. Josh McDaniels finalized a deal to become the new head coach. If you don't remember, McDaniels previously had accepted a job with Indianapolis a few years ago, but got cold feet and backed out of that head coaching job. Interestingly enough, on the 30th, the Super Bowl matchup was set. It will be the Bengals versus the Rams. Uh, so go Bengals, quite obviously there. On the 20, on the 31st, pardon me, uh, Jacksonville uh, was looking to interview Rich Basaccia for their head coaching job. The f- uh, former Raiders interim head coach who gained a lot of praise for the job he did with that group in Oakland. Pardon me, Oakland, Las Vegas. Uh, Harbaugh to the NFL news heating up. Uh, John Harbaugh showed legitimate interest. Oh, boy. See, you know, I may be 20 and I remember all this crap about sports, but I still forget the Harbaugh's. Oh, no, it's Jim. Oh, no, Jim Harbaugh. Shoot, Jim Harbaugh. My apologies. I still get them mixed up. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh showed legitimate interest in the Vikings head coaching job during his interview, and the Vikings are looking to fly Harbaugh out to uh, have a, another interview with them on Wednesday. Uh, Houston met with Brian Flores. The Texans have scheduled their first in-person interview with the former Dolphins head coach. I think that would be a great hire for Houston. Uh, Cincinnati public schools will be closed on February the 14th for what they believe will be their first ever Super Bowl victory. Um, The Jaguars are still looking at Doug Peterson as a head coach. The Jacksonville Jaguars will bring him in. Uh, for a second interview and Brady on his future said, I'm still going through the process. I'll know when the time is right. So for the next few weeks, we're kind of going to be in this kind of awkward limbo uh, with this, you know, waiting for the Super Bowl. Um, we'll get more sort of off season stuff here. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting to think about um, everything that's going on. Um you look at it, whether it's Brady or so many head coaching positions or the Seahawks themselves, you know, here with what we do on Circling Seal Sports. On the NFL side, there's a lot going on. And then you look at it, excuse me, in this offseason kind of situation where there's a lot to be decided leading into the season is happening with most of our teams right now. So, um, Looking ahead, still the offseason. Uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl. I could always care less about the Pro Bowl. Uh, as we head over to our Seattle Mariners here, uh, in terms of free agency, we do have something. It's not that much. Um, uh, the Mariners were reportedly a front runner for the Japanese outfielder Seiya Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki. Um, was reportedly the top two teams were uh, the Giants and the Mariners. So that's something to look at. Uh, I did talk about this as well on the CSS on Converge show. Um, 
there's obviously a lot going on with the Mariners outfield right now. Um, so, you know, this wouldn't at all change that. I mean, it would just continue to add to that sort of log jam in a sense. Um, but, you know, with the positive momentum that Seattle has at the current moment, I say, you know, it's, it's better to have these guys than to not. Um, so I don't, I don't see why not, you know, um, obviously you would have to deal with that log jam and Julio Rodriguez here should be knocking on the door at some point, um, potentially next season. I know a lot of people want that to happen. Um, but I'm like, Hey, let's just let it sort itself out. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and to see, I'm talking about Suzuki here, see what Seattle wants to do, because that is a decision to make. Um, you know, you've got Jared Kelnick, Kyle Lewis, Mitch Hanniger, uh, Jake Freely in some capacity. Uh, I know Adam Frazier can play a little bit outfield, but I'd, I wouldn't really imagine him there. I'd, I'd ignore that. Uh, there's a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, you know, I, I would, I, like I said, I would rather just have it than not um, and then figure that problem out later. It's sort of like the rain with all the talent that there was there um, on the roster last season. It's like, hey, it's a good problem to have, right? You know, you'd rather have these players in this situation than to not have these players and, you know, needing to get them. Um, so, that is something to look at. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's something that the Mariners can do until the lockout ends, but to know that you're a front runner for a guy like that is really good to hear, obviously, and not to compare the players themselves uh, and not necessarily the situations, but in a way to look at them in that similar light uh, with the Mariners at one point being a front runner for Shohei Otani. Uh, you just wonder how much being a front runner really matters. Um, so that will be something that we will look at. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later and hoping that the lockout will end. I know that there's a meeting scheduled uh, within these next few weeks, but it, it's, it's, it's excruciating, excruciating pace right now. Uh, and you, it, it really, really nice if things were going faster with the lockout. Um, but uh, I know the, the MLB itself is dragging their feet. Um, so that'll be, it's just hoping that, you know, these things get, taken care of uh sooner rather than later and right now that's not necessarily how things are going unfortunately um in league related notes uh note <laughs> notes league related notes former mariner uh player in the mariners organization that is not necessarily a former mariner uh david ortiz uh was inducted into the pro baseball hall of fame uh the only player elected uh this past round uh, receiving 77.9% of the vote. Others, such as Barry Bonds, fell short. Um, Bonds received 66% of the vote. Um, so interesting to see that. I know that was a really big discussion there. Um, hmm. Really interesting to see that. Um It's 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 a tough topic. Um, 
and I'm kind of on the fence about it as well, but, um, you know, the, the league itself has kind of been also up and down about it. You know, I know that there's some aspects where it's like, Hey, we don't want steroid users in the hall. But then uh, as far as I remember, David Ortiz was committed at one point uh, for using steroids. Uh, so it's like, I saw a funny meme on Twitter. It's like uh, only the the nice steroid users were going to allow. It's like, oh, okay. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really tough situation. And I think at some point it, you do have to say, screw it. But I, I think that might've been it. So um, I've also seen numbers where Barry Bonds had Hall of Fame numbers before he started taking steroids. So I don't know. It's, it's, you know, you, you want to increase viewership um, in the MLB, uh, you know, allowing that sort of thing and at least making it uh, starting to just overall do whatever it takes to make fans, you know, enjoy the game more and enjoy the league itself more, not necessarily the game, but the league itself. I, I, I think you have to take that opportunity. Um because especially like with the MLB, with the blackouts um, and with not having one, not only the lockout, but, you know, the, yeah, the blackouts and just some of the things that have potentially dulled the popularity of this sport and this league, you, you gotta, you gotta, at some point, you just got to say like a guy like Manfred, screw it. We can't keep doing this. We're going to just continue to lose viewership and alienate people, you know, from our sport. So that's something that I would hope that the league at some point says, hey, we we screwed up and we need to listen to the fans more about that sort of thing. So we'll we'll that's optimistic. That's maybe too optimistic, but we'll see. Um, this is your time to check out Hom Seattle. That is H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E dot com. Hom Seattle. Hom says you're brought uh, back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. That is Hom Seattle. Make sure to go check out Race and Isaac out there uh, with Homs. Oops. Um, heading over to our Seattle Sounders here. Um, on the 27th of January, the team had a scrimmage against Portland down in Tucson. Uh, that game ended in a 0-0 draw and was not televised, unfortunately. Would have been cool to see that. Um, but not so much. Um, so uh, uh, in team-related notes, uh, on January 27th, Brad Smith was traded to D.C. United. Seattle received $750,000 in general allocation money. Seattle also traded an international spot, uh, receiving about $200,000 uh, in general allocation money, effectively turning the Brad Smith trade into a million dollars. So that was really cool to see. Um, know that Seattle had been sort of pressed up against the cap and their general allocation money was looking bleak for a while. Uh, and that trade can open that up. And I, uh, you know, with the way that the roster was looking um, you've got a, a loaded group right now. Um, and to get value out of a veteran that you don't necessarily need uh, this upcoming season, it only makes sense. So it, it sucks to lose a guy that I know a lot of people liked, but um when you're when you've got the sort of roster that you do right now, um, you you have to make moves like that. So, uh, to that I say thank you, Brad. 
Um, on the 28th of January, Trey Muse was loaned to Loden United FC from Seattle. Uh, and then on the 29th, Clint Dempsey was elected to the National Soccer Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Clint there. Um, so looking ahead for the Sounders, uh, they will continue their training down in Tucson for the time being as we continue to ramp up towards uh, towards the first game, the first technically real game on the 17th. Heading over to our Seattle Storm here, which has been the cause of a good amount of stress. Um, we head over to free agency uh, on January 25th. The Storm are rumored to be in talks or have expressed interest in outside of their big three. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot, who is a Kent native, uh, Stephanie Dolson, Maisha Haynes Island, Hines Allen, pardon me, uh, Brian January, and Monique Billings. On the 27th, Stephanie Dolson limited her choices to the New York Liberty and Seattle. On the 28th, Maisha Haynes Allen finalized a multi year deal to return to the Washington Mystics. Also on the 28th, the Storm were reportedly nearing a deal with Spokane native uh, guard J- uh, Brian January. January is a 13-year veteran who spent her la- uh, first nine seasons with the Indiana Fever. Uh, had nine, th- uh, pardon me, had three trips to the finals. Uh, January won a championship with the Fever in 2012 with head coach Pokey Chapman. Chapman now uh, an assistant with Seattle. Uh, January can play both guard spots. Uh, could look to back up Bird if Jordan Canada leaves, and can also play alongside Bird at the two spot. Um. Here's where things start to pick up. Okay. On the 30th, uh, Stephanie Dolson chooses the New York Liberty. So Dolson returns back to uh, her home state of New York um, to play with the Liberty on a multi year deal. And the Storm are finalizing a multi year deal to bring back restricted free agent Mercedes Russell. On the 31st, Jewel Lloyd meets with the New York Liberty. Yes, Jewel Lloyd met with the New York Liberty. Um, and just about a few hours ago, uh, Brianna Stort uh, reportedly is going to sign, uh, re-sign with the Storm on a one-year Supermax deal. Now, um, I fear my worst-case scenario may be taking place. Um, it, it looks like um, what's going to take place with the Storm this upcoming season is that is that the team is going to load up for Sue Bird's final run, you know, kind of go all out to put Birdie out on top, you know, with a title. And then that's it. That's the last dance for the big three. It's looking like Jewel Lloyd and it's looking like Jewel Lloyd and uh, Brianna Stewart are going to go. They're just going to leave Seattle. It'll be, that'll be it. Um, once uh, once this season ends, you know, hopefully with a title. And ultimately, if a title is achieved, I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Uh, I mean, with Sue, you know, being part of five titles, I can't complain about that, okay? Um, you know, that uh, as well as, you know, You know, five titles was the big three. You know, you look at the run since uh, I believe it was 18, um, you know, and that would be three titles there. Um, let me just make sure 
I have the correct timeline there. I don't want to get it wrong and give you the wrong information. Uh, yeah, 2018, 2020, and you know, ideally 2022. Wow, one every two years. Um, three titles, six years. You know, that's hard to six. Holy shit, are you drunk? Stop. Sorry. Um. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's really shitty to look at it in that regard, um, but I think uh, I think that's what we might be looking at. It seems like um, that's kind of where this is leading to. Um, is it something that I was hoping for? No, no. I would like to, if possible, I would love to have you know stool and Jewy stool. Wow, stool and Jewy. Wow. Stewie and Jewel take over, you know, and lead this franchise from here on out. But it's uh, it looks like it's not going to work out that way. And that those two will probably go their separate ways. I kind of doubt that they will play with each other um, somewhere else. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really it's tough to think about because, you know, at least somebody who's been around the storm for, you know, as long as I've been, you know, coherent um, and, you know, was raised uh, correctly and was uh, my parents have had had season tickets until about 2020, I think, through, you know, been going to games since at least 15 Um you've been around a storm and you know about Sue Bird, you know, there was Lauren Jackson and, you know, Stewie and Jewel. It's, it's tough to look at it that way. Um, and it's unfortunate. And I would really rather not have to look at the end of that run, but that's kind of how things are going. Um, so that's, it's difficult to look at, but at the end of the day, um, I think that if you bring home a title this year, uh, it's, it's okay. You know, eventually these things have to end. Um, and I think a, a title would be the best way to do so. And I think I would be able to come to peace with that. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Again, it could be not that way. But with Stewie, you know, you look at it, you've got those three titles and you you want to return home it makes sense i don't see why not you know i don't think that i would put that against stewie at all uh to return home after winning three titles with seattle hey i respect that okay um you know, and I, and once once Birdie leaves, it's like okay, you know, you could be the even more face of the franchise, even though she already is to me. Uh, at this, uh, well, at least for this current moment, you know, in terms of all time, no, not necessarily. But you could, you know, make this yours and just really take over, or you could, you know, it's your decision, right? Um, so, yeah. It's a uh, long story short, if that situation comes to it, uh, ultimately I'm okay with it if it ends in a title. Um, so uh, all of that sort of begins by the time that this episode has come out. 
um, on the 1st of February. You know, we've already got, it was about nine or so that the deal, it was announced that um, Stewie would be coming back on a one year on the Supermax, um, which was something I wasn't expecting to see. I mean, I would have, I was hoping to see a multi-year deal, but I wasn't expecting to see a deal at all, let alone, you know, right before everything was supposed to go down. Um, so yes, it will, uh, it's going to get really serious, you know, starting the day that this episode comes out and we'll probably have a lot of things to talk about for you next week. Um, with free agency and the way things shake out, not only for the storm, but for the league, we'll have to monitor that. I know that Adrian Wilson, uh, the former league MVP, uh, will be returning to the, um, the aces, John Cole Jones resigned with, uh, Connecticut son her winning in a Jones winning an MVP this past season. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot and it really sucks because for the longest time we looked at the storm as the, you know, the the consummate winners uh, in this city, uh, you know, four titles, the most of any team. I think uh, their storms four titles are the most are tied. The storm have the more titles, not more, have the same amount of all the pro sports teams in the area combined, because if you look at it, um the Seahawks have one, maybe the current iterations of sports team. The Seahawks have one. The Sounders have two. Oh, no. Okay. Because the Seawolves have two. So that's five there. If you include the Sonics, that's six. Um, Seahawks, Sounders. Yeah. I mean, to have four, though, compared to six is still, you know, that's it's a majority chunk there. So I don't know, man, it just really sucks to think about that sort of thing and to think, Hey, this could be over and you could be looking at having to deal with a new era and, you know, potentially a rebuild of sorts. Uh, and that's not, that's not cool. That sucks. So that will be something to monitor and especially to see how things play out uh, upcoming here. Um, I know it might be a long shot, but at the end of the day, at some point, I would like to see Kelsey Plum play for the Storm. I think that would be really cool Ooh, to have her come back, and I'd let her run things here personally, but, you know, I might be biased. Um, so, you know, deals, as have been mentioned the past few weeks, deals cannot be finalized until the 1st of February, and that is tomorrow uh, as we record the show on Mondays. So here we go is all I can say. Here we go. Uh, looking ahead for the storm, obviously, it's free agency, and we will have, a, no doubt, a good amount of things to look at for you next week. Uh, this is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S, Maestro Athletics. Um, I know that not necessarily any new product out right now, uh, but the Rep Seattle merchandise, whether it's the beanie or the hoodie, is perfect for anybody that, you know, if you're listening to the show, you more than likely are a Seattle sports fan through and through. So that sort of uh, that sort of product is exactly for someone like you. So go check it out. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S. Maestro Athletics. Make sure to go check them out for me. Um, it's always really cool to see what Tony is working on um, and how it encapsulates, you know, our Seattle sports here um in merchandise so go and check that out 
uh, when you get the chance to do so, whether that's on Instagram or on the actual website itself. Um, moving over to our Seattle Kraken here. Over the past week, played four games, uh, one last one at home to wrap up that six-game homestand, and then starting on uh, their road trip. Uh, the last game at home would be January 25th versus the Nashville Predators, uh, losing that game 2-4 to four to the Predators, a tough team. I mean, Nashville really has started to pick things up. I know that Nashville was the team that Seattle beat for their first win in franchise history, um, but they've really they've gotten into their groove. Um, player of the game would be Marcus Johansson uh, with two assists, two points, one power play point, and one shot on target. On the 27th, the team would travel to Pittsburgh to start their road trip off, winning that game 2-1 to one in overtime, courtesy of uh, Adam Larson's overtime winner. Uh, so with that being said, two players of the game here, first defenseman Adam Larson with the game-winning goal in overtime, uh, one point, a one plus minus, two shots on goal, and one hit. Excuse me. Um, and then Philip Grubauer, uh, your goaltender, 20 for 20 on even strength saves, uh, three for four on the power play and a not 0.958 save percentage. Philip having a great game there. Uh, in the first overtime win in Kraken history, it's weird to say that because, you know, with the shout, shootout win against Chicago, I would technically count that, but that's not how it works. Um, you know, Still learning a bunch about hockey. So, you know, um, continuing, well, would have been continuing the road trip uh, with the twin January 29th game against the New York Islanders. But that game was postponed over weather concerns as the New York governor declared a weather-related state of emergency. So that game in Long Island uh, at UBS Arena, brand new arena, was postponed to the 2nd of February due to those weather concerns. But... The game on the 30th against the New York Rangers uh, at Madison Square Garden was played where it was a two to three loss for Seattle. Uh, tough loss played the game for Jared McCann with one goal, one assist, two points and two shots on goal. Uh, the team puts up 42 shots, but playing against the best goaltender in the league and Igor Shesterkin uh, can't beat him more than twice. Seattle tied that game up with about a minute to go um, and ultimately could not put it away. As with 33 seconds left, Keandre Miller was able to put away the game-winning goal uh, with a clear shooting lane. Um, so that sucked. Um, but New York, New York's a good team, and you're playing the best goal, the best you know netminder in the league. It's tough to do so, um, but you would have liked to see Seattle pull through there in a game where you know you're looking at overtime potentially. You know, get one point, hopefully try to get to overtime and. You know, coming off that overtime win against Pittsburgh, you like to repeat that sort of success, and then you give up, you give it, you give up a goal. Um, so that sucks. But again, you know, we look at it. I'll, I'll continue to say it, and it might annoy some people, but you're still in the inaugural season. Things are being worked on. I don't think you know losing an overtime game to a team like New York is, you know, anything to be pissy about at all. Um, on the 24th of January, as we transition over to team news, the uh, Kraken recalled defenseman Kale Fleury, brother of Hayden Fleury, uh, to the taxi squad from the Charlotte Checkers, their AHL affiliate for this year, and reassigned goaltender Antoine Bebo to the Checkers. Uh, so that little swap there on the 27th, though, Bebo was brought back to the taxi, taxi squad. Uh, and then on January 30th, forward Callie Yarncroft missed the game against the Rangers with an uppy, 
puppy with an upper body injury. Uh, so he, Yarn Croc went through uh, warmups, but was not able to participate in that game against uh, against the Rangers, which was interesting to see that there. Um, and then forward Carson Kuhlman left that game against New York uh, against the Rangers with an upper body injury after taking a tough hit. So uh, I would like to avoid injuries as this team has already been plagued with some injuries. Um, so uh, no, no status yet on, uh, on Kuhlman, but looking to hear about that hopefully soon. And hopefully it's nothing uh, too serious there, uh, especially with, you know, the, the threat of COVID at any point, you know, being able to lose a bunch of players, um, you know, losing Brandon Tanev for the full year, losing Jaden Schwartz for, you know, probably maybe another month. Um, would just like to avoid injuries as a whole. You know, that would be really nice if we could do that. Uh, so the team record sits at 14 wins, 26 losses, and four overtime losses, resulting in 32 total points, remaining at eighth in the Pacific Division. Uh, looking ahead, your next two game, games are February 1st at the Boston Bruins with a 4 o'clock start time there in Boston, and then February 2nd versus the New York Islanders that make up game for the postponed contest, um, also at 4 o'clock Pacific time uh, in Long Island at UBS Arena. Oops. Sorry, I messed up uh, my notes here. Uh, Let me fix this. As we head over to our OL Reign here, who are in the same sort of offseason free agency situation here. Uh, the Reign roster moves continued. The team signed defender Alyssa Melanson to a one-year deal with a one-year option. Uh, the team waived defender Amber Brooks. I know uh, that kind of sucks, at least for me, because I spoke with Amber uh, in the Seattle interview series interview. Um, and it was nice to speak with Amber. She was nice. Uh, and I just appreciated having that interview. Um, but when you've got all of the, uh, when you've got all the defenders that the reign have acquired, at least in the off season, um, and even, you know, prior to that, you know, the, the defenders on the roster already, uh, it, it was already a tough situation. So, uh, best of luck to Amber and wherever she goes from here, um, the team would continue. Well, speaking of defenders, the team re-signed defender and team captain club original Lauren Barnes to a one-year deal with a one-year option. Uh, the team signed Bethany Balser to a contract extension for three seasons uh, with a club option for the 2025 season. So uh, boats could remain with the club through 2025, which would be great. I would love to see that. Uh, the 2019 Rookie of the Year and the player that was second in the league um, in goal scored this past season. Uh, the team re-signed forward Megan Rapino to a one-year deal. That is interesting to me because I have a friend who I speak with about it, and uh, it, it looks like, you know, we, we talk about Sue Bird playing her final year. You know, you look over at her partner, it would not make, it would not seem totally out of the blue that Rapino and Bird would play their final years and then just call it done this season. I don't see why not. And I think that would be really cool. It would be great for them to both go out on titles. Um, and maybe I'm saying that I'm being a little selfish, but, you know, I think that would, uh, 
I think that would be really cool, but we have to get through the seasons first. Um, and the team re-signed midfielder Rose Lavelle to a two-year deal that runs through the 2023 season. So uh, the rain re-signing even more players, you know, some of the bigger names on this roster being re-signed. Uh, but that being said, the rain uh, with these roster moves, uh, I got the notification. Um, ESPN does this really half-assed job about um they're doing this really they always do this really half-assed job of covering the nwsl and you know if you click on the rain um if you click on the rain on the espn website it still says you know the the at least the headline uh from the rain resigning rubino and lavelle was rain fc so you're outdated there but you only continue to cover the women's national team players. And, you know, you'd hopefully try to cover somebody like Bethany Balser, who won the 19 rookie of the year and had the season that she did this past year. It's uh, it's just really annoying to see that. That half-assed coverage. And that's why here at Circling Shell Sports, we do our best to cover the women's sports teams here in the area to the best of our ability um, and to actually keep you up to date on what's going on and not bullshit you. So in terms of league-related news with the NWSL itself, uh, the Portland Thorns uh, team as a whole, the franchise closed their uh, investigation into alleged sexual misconduct, not alleged, sexual misconduct by Paul Riley uh, without interviewing any players so that seems a little weird doesn't it how can you conduct an investigation into sexual assault against players without actually interviewing the players tell me how that works you can't because one this is a podcast and i'm I'm not talking to you on like a phone call but also uh that's not how an investigation like that should work right so more harebrained shit in the NWSL, which is always great to see. Uh, the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship players uh, will be guaranteed maternity provisions for the first time ever. So that is a big deal that should have took place sooner. Um, and then the biggest news of the bunch was that the NWSL and the NWSL Players Union signed their first ever collective bargaining agreement. The landmark deal introduces player-free agency higher salaries with annual increases and other health and wellness benefits, uh, such as, uh, give me one second, uh, robust workers comp coverage up to six months of paid mental health leave, eight weeks of paid parental leave, whether that is birth or adoption, clean private nursing facilities for parents, professional minimum staffing standards for healthcare professionals, and no more playing on fields that require substantial conversion to the dimensions of a soccer field. That is just player safety. Now, if we look at most of the collective bargain agreement itself, um, let's see what else here. Compensation wise, um, there's a, a 160% increase in million, minimum salary to 300, uh, $335,000 with a 4% increase over year. With 4% year over year increases, pardon me, a step ladder increases in 2022 salaries to protect players above the minimum in 2021. 
401k plan, 401k plan with matching contributions from the league commencing in 2023, minimum standards for housing stipends, free agency. Free agency starts in 2023 for players with a minimum of six years service. Uh, free agency starting in 2024 for players with a minimum of five service years. Restricted free agency starting in 2024 for players with three service years. And then four-week severance pay, pay plus 30 days housing and health insurance for waived players. Um, and then and then one of the really cool things uh, from the NSL Players Association uh, was that there was a quote at the end that said to the players who came before us, we stand on your shoulders. We hope we made you proud. So that's a really big deal. Um, I've, we've talked about it a little bit on the show here in the past, but, you know, getting these sort of things for the players and the NWSL is a big deal, you know, having so much talent and such incredible women in the league is great, but you know, the league needs to do more on its side of it on its side of things um, to not only protect its players, but to treat them how they should be treated. Um, And there's a lot of good in here. You know, obviously there will always be more work to be done. It seems. Um, But that was, uh, that was really cool to see. Um, So that uh, good on the NWSL players association uh, for getting things done there. Um, Looking ahead, uh, all I know, I know that I keep talking about how important it is that the uh, and WNBA free agent WNBA free agency starts on the first of February, but the NWSL preseason starts tomorrow as well. So the players uh, will report their respective teams tomorrow, uh, training camp rosters and all that, and invitees. So that's a big deal um, because you'll start to technically officially see what the rain roster should look like. Uh, come regular season, even maybe potentially come Challenge Cup. So uh, we're getting back to things. And at least with the rain, I'm a little more optimistic because most of the key players are under contract. Well, I have talked to it also with uh, a, a friend of mine. You know, you'd like to see the rain make a big move to solidify yourself as a contender. You know, we, uh, having Eugenie Lesomer and Jennifer Marazan and Sarah Booty was a move that those moves were something that I'd like to see similar. Um, we, we haven't gotten that yet. And it may just be a matter of time. We may be waiting to hear from Leon about those sort of loans. Um, but, you know, with teams like Kansas City, uh, Gotham making moves that, to me, at least make them look like contenders, uh You'd, you'd like to see the rain do so as well. Um, and obviously I love the players on this team. I'm really connected to this team in terms of just the interviews I've been able to do and the people I've been able to speak with. Um, you could always add more. Like I was talking about with the Mariners, you can always add more. Um, and I would like to do that, you know, with the rain here so that you can say, Hey, we're going to hopefully go out and win a title here so um preseason ahead for our reign there moving over to our seattle seawolves who wrapped up their preseason against the club team of the hartford harpooners um at starfire sports complex in tuck excuse me um winning that game by a resounding 50 to nothing 
Uh, so Seattle wraps up that preseason there. Looking ahead, uh, they will look to start their regular season at home versus the Toronto Arrows on February 6th at Starfire Sports Complex starting at 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So your Seawolves, you know, coming off of a disappointing past few seasons, whether it be because of COVID or the the just, you know, winning the back-to-back titles in 18 and 19, um, I mean, it looked good. You know, you're playing a club team and it's preseason, but it was good to see a bunch of the different uh, players that scored on tries be able to do so, you know, see a bunch of versatility there, uh, be able to see some of the newer players make their impacts. And as far as I can gather, there were still some players that the Seawolves had to announce in terms of signet, uh, in terms of signing. So uh, that could be interesting um, to see how that plays out and to see what that may mean. Um, but, you know, excited to cover rugby here and to officially have all of the pro teams in Seattle uh, covered here. Cause I know that I love talking about covering all the pro teams here but now with the with the Seawolves, we we actually do so, um, you know, to have all, you know, to have the Seahawks and the Mariners and the Storm and the Sounders um, and the Rain and the Seawolves uh, and the Kraken, you know, to have them all now. It's it's only guy doing it. Seriously, call me when whether it's Como or King Fi- any of that bullshit, uh, they actually do it. You know, because none of them give the fair representation that they deserve, whether it is the storm or whether it is the rain or hell, even the sea wolves. Circling Shell Sports will do it and we'll get interviews with those guys and we'll actually cover them on a standard basis, not just here and there when we want to do a story on them. Okay. That's just how it is and that's how I feel about it. Uh, no Sonics news, no Dragons news. Yeah, and we'll have to add those teams hopefully soon as well. The Dragons with their 23 kickoff, the Sonics still waiting for that. As we head over to UW Athletics, um, in terms of general college news, the Big Ten is considering big changes. The conference is pondering the possibility of eliminating divisions. So that's that's news for them. Uh, and then Grambling State. Grambling State uh, announces a major NIL deal. The university signs a deal that will allow every scholarship athlete to receive an annual income. So that's a big deal. Uh, as we head over to football, Zion Tubuola Fatui is returning to UW. The junior outside linebacker slash edge rusher announces that he is staying at UW. Uh, the UW landed three commitments. The first two would be twins, Javon and Armand Parker, committed to the Huskies days after taking their official visit. Uh, and the Huskies also landed a defensive back out of Texas, Javion Green, committing to UW, uh, stating that they put DBs in the league, and damn, he ain't wrong. Um, the last part of team news we have for the Huskies is that left tackle Jackson Kirkland is opting out of the 2023 draft. Pardon me, 2022 drafts. Uh, the offensive tackle will petition the NCAA to play next season after an ankle injury and is eyeing uh, the end the 2023 NFL draft. So it would be great to have Kirkland back, uh, a guy that you know we. I don't like looking at the Oregon game um, for obvious reasons, um, but also the the fact that, well, not also, uh, I don't like looking at that game, but if we look at it, um, Kirkland did 
relatively locked down Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't really think he played much of an impact in that game, uh, or not at least not when Jackson Kirkland was blocking him. So it's uh, something good to look at. Uh, so it'd be good to have him back, especially it's always good to have, uh, you know, upperclassmen linemen back unless they're really bad, which Kirkland is not. So uh, for the Huskies would love to see Kirkland back. I'm unless he decides to go on the transfer portal, which I wouldn't imagine that he would, if he is granted that extra year of eligibility, but uh, we'll see uh, in terms of other college football news, the Arizona state offensive coordinator resigned amongst other personnel for Arizona state. Zach Hill resigned amid the NCAA investigation into alleged recruiting violations in the Sun Devils program. So troubles there for the Devils. Uh, And then Dabo Sweeney doubles down on his NIL statement. Uh, The Clemson head coach is against the quote-unquote professionalization of college athletics and says that it is not sustainable. Um, I cast a bullshit. I think you're an idiot, and I don't care. Uh... (laughs) Looking ahead to men's basket, men's and women's basketball, that is. Uh, the men's basketball team for the Huskies played Colorado and Utah over the past week, uh, winning both of those games. The first one, January 27th versus Colorado, winning a tight one there, 60 to 58, player of the game. Who else but Terrell Brown Jr. with 26 points, four assists, and four rebounds uh, in the game on the 29th versus Utah. Uh, UW would win that game 77 to 73. Another tight one, play the game again. Who else but Terrell Brown Jr. with 30 points, four assists, and four rebounds? Uh, man, it's uh, really interesting to see. You know, I remember over the, the offseason for basketball, um, you know, seeing a bunch of guys coming home to play at UW. And it was like, hey, you know, it's great that they're coming home, but, you know, which of these guys is really going to stick out? Which of them is really going to make an impact? And Terrell Brown Jr. has been nothing but a guy that has made an impact. So uh, props to him. Um, In team-related news, uh, Brown Jr. would earn Player of the Week honors after averaging 28 points per game in a sweep of the Mountain Schools. Brown Jr. earns his second Pac-12 Player of the Week award. So, uh, it's, it's interesting because I know that I kind of criticized it early in the season and, you know, it wasn't necessarily a wrong thing to say, but the team kind of looked like a mess, but now it seems like, you know, they, they fight. This is not a team that's necessarily overpowering and that I would consider a dark horse necessarily, but this team's fighting and that's what you want to see. Um, the upcoming games for the men's basketball team, are February 3rd at Cal and February 6th at Stanford. So a trip down to Cali for the Huskies there uh, with that 11 and eight record standing at fifth in the PAC 12. Now Uh, the women's basketball team on a tough six games, six game losing streak right now. Uh, Those past two games of the losing streak are against Washington state, January 28th at Washington state, losing that game 56 to 60. Uh, player of the game would be Haley Van Dyke with 11 points, 13 rebounds, and three assists. Uh, and then January 30th at home versus Washington State, losing that game 43 to 57. Uh, player of the game, Haley Van Dyke with 17 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. The Huskies dropping to a five and nine record, 11th in the Pac 12, uh, looking to right the ship against those Colorado schools. February 4th at Utah with a 6 p.m. start time and February 6th at Colorado with an 11 a.m. start time. So 
looking to uh, right the shit there, get out of that losing streak. You know, that losing streak before those games took place, um, the Huskies had to deal with a bunch of postponements to games. It's it's been a it's been a rough season uh, in a way uh, for the women's basketball team. So, looking for Coach Tina Langley uh, and the Huskies to right the ship there and get some things turned around, which they still can do. Um, no baseball news, no softball news, no soccer news, no volleyball news, but. The men's hockey team did play over the past week, January 28th and 29th versus Gonzaga, their senior nights, uh, winning both of those games. The first one on the 28th, winning that game seven to six against the Bulldogs and then 29th versus Gonzaga winning that game nine to five. Uh, at the current moment, it looks like that will wrap up the season for the Huskies men's team, uh, finishing with a 12 and second record, 12 and seven record because there is a Pac-12 tournament that is listed on the UW schedule, uh, but it says it's canceled. So that could be it for the men's hockey team. We will see if that's what it is um, in the coming week. So with that being said, that was episode 125 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Uh, man, Seahawks in their offseason, uh, kind of quiet. I mean, outside of the news about the Pro Bowl, but you know, I really don't care about the Pro Bowl. Uh, the Mariners having some interest in being a front runner for say, a Suzuki, but also dealing with the MLB lockout. The Sounders uh, gearing up for the regular season as they continue their training. Um, oh. Oh. That's weird. Anyway, um, with with the Sounders with the stacked roster, you know, the only argument I've seen is that the team that is always the best on paper never seems um, never seems to win at all, which is unfortunate to think about, but we'll see. Um, the storm really, uh, I know that I'm looking at it bleakly, but I don't know. We'll have to, th- we'll have to think we'll have to see about it. Uh, and it all starts by the time that this episode has dropped. Um the Kraken it's still going through the season, uh, playing some tough games against tough teams. So at the end of the day, I can't really complain about it too much. Um, the rain gearing up for their preseason as players will report by the time that this episode is out. Uh, the Seawolves starting their preseason, so ending their preseason and beginning their regular season. So getting some things underway there. Uh, the Sonics not existing, the Dragons waiting until 23, the UW football team adding some commitments, uh, basketball, men's basketball, winning games, uh, women's basketball, dealing with some unfortunate losses, and the men's hockey team seemingly wrapping things up for the season. So with that being said, I have been your host as always, Charles Hamaker. We will see you back on February 8th next week. Until then, take care, be well, and we will see you uh, in a week. Baba Bowie.